Good morning. It is Sunday, September 16th, and you are listening to In the Wheelhouse. ITW is a weekly podcast on the Chicago Cubs and other ancillary subjects. I'm Tom Hockney. And I'm Leo Fontana. Today on In the Wheelhouse, Steven Strasburg plays pinball with the home plate personnel. The Tortuga shows off his wheels. We get some retirements from David Wright and Joe Maurer, and we'll also talk about the latest this week from the Chicago Cubs. But, Tom, first I want to say Feliz Dia de Independencia Mexicano. Yeah, well, if you do, you'll clean it up. (laughs) Today is September 16th. It is the anniversary uh, from 1810 of the Grito de Dolores, or the Shout of Pain, uh, that the Mexican people did uh, in the plazas and from their windows as a sort of demonstration of anger at the actions of the Spanish crowd. The, Span- the Spaniards, right? The, yes. re- the, repel- the rebellion against the Spaniards. And this is something I wish I had done to a, co- to a company by the name of Lincoln Towing, who, who <laughs> yeah. just lost their license. Now, for those of you who don't live in Chicago, Lincoln Towing is the outfit that if you park in a 7-Eleven, and you don't go into the 7-Eleven like you go to the taco store right around, the, right, right, you know, the taco stand right around the corner. Lincoln Towing is the group that tows your car away, and you've got to pay 180 bucks to get it back. At, at, au contraire. It's $216, and it's uh, $45 a day. Wow. Um, they, they are the scourge of the north side. I've, had, I've, had, I've only had one run-in with them personally because basically that's all you'll ever have. Yeah. Um, before you kind of smarten up about the issue. And for me, it was probably 25 years ago, and it was maybe at that time 75 bucks and 25 it, And I just remember being shocked. They wouldn't take a check, and I almost like pull – like now you know why they – I think they have like the chicken wire cages there. I, they never had the glasses, I recall, the pl- to, because otherwise people would be jumping over the table trying to wring their necks. Oh, just yeah, how, yeah. Just how yeah. – uh, viciously punitive that they've been so um schadenfreude for me on them i i couldn't i i wish the absolute worst they they are they are the worst business on the north side of chicago i've been saying this for years it's shocking to me that they've been able to stick around and be you know a thriving business and they've made a ton of money obviously um and it's not just parking in 7-elevens they've made mistakes and when they've made mistakes, they still charge people. Yeah. Um, and, and eventually it, got, it caught up with them. And it sounds to me, based on what I'm reading, that eventually there will be no more Lincoln towing. Somebody else will take their place, by the way. And my advice to all, um, the people that really get hit by this are young Chicagoans, people that just moved to the city and aren't yeah. really hip to what's going on. Everybody gets burned by them once. And if you're, and if you're dumb, you get burned by them more than once. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I once got caught by them. I was on a date with a girl, and uh, it was just a ruined the night, I'll tell you that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, all right, so let's get right to baseball. I want to begin with uh, something that happened the other night. Uh, Steven Strasburg had a rare trifecta where he throws a fastball that hits Phillies pinch hitter Jorge Alfaro in the forearm. The ball ricochets off the, ricochets off the side of the helmet of the catcher. Matt Wieters, and then it hits the face mask of the umpire Harry Wendelstadt. And if you watch this in real time, it is like a pinball. It's big, 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 
Right. Well, you know, and they all three have to take a minute and recover from this. It was hilarious. Weeders took the worst of it. And the only thing that I can say is I just, where's Joe West when you need him? I know. I know. I know. Why couldn't that have been Joe West? You know, that was hilarious. But you can check out the video if you just uh, look up Jorge Alfaro hit by pitch. Uh, it's definitely worth checking out. And uh, another video that I, I would also like you guys to tune in and check out is a guy by the name of Willens Astudio, who's a friend of the show, one of our favorites. His nickname is La Tortuga, which means the turtle. And uh, he scores from first on a double. And man, I mean, he is the fattest guy you've ever seen running as fast as he can. He is the modern day John Crook. Is he not? I, I, well, I think he's faster than Crook. I, yeah, you know, yeah. After but... watching the video, at first I thought it was in slow motion. I, <laughs> I, I realized, I realized, and again, I, I love all fat guys in baseball, that he actually was pretty fast for a fat guy. He I'll was. Bet you if he you, was, if you put all the fat guys in baseball on a, on a starting line, he would come up pretty he, – he's, he's pretty athletic for his size. Yeah, um, yeah. I bet you he would have been a pretty – pretty good football player so well it's just it's just so he's got such an odd body shape his face is so round his body he's so rotund and and the fact that you're right that he's able to get going as fast as he was that was just hilarious it it sounds like you're describing me in every way except the speed part (laughs) (laughs) all right so uh let's talk a little bit about some of the races around major league baseball the phillies they're done. It looks like yeah. they're done. They've fallen out of the race to such a degree. And it's not because the Braves have really done anything to sort of uh, distinguish themselves. It's just that the Phillies suddenly couldn't win a ball game, you know? Yeah, it's much like the Cardinals, which we'll talk about in a second. The Phillies are done. Yesterday, I, I just wanted to bring to our listeners' attention, Cleveland clinched the Central Division for the third year in a row. Yeah, yeah. Uh, edging Detroit 15-4. to four. Um, and, uh, you know, there's only a couple of races, meaningful races that are left, uh, in American league, you've got Houston and Oakland, um, Seattle's hanging on by a thread. The interesting thing is that Seattle would be in the playoffs if they were in the national league. That is correct. But, but they're correct. not, um, Atlanta's basically got the, uh, national league East sewed up, um, Colorado and the Dodgers and Arizona to a lesser degree are fighting it out in the West. And then you're, you're left with the Cubs in Milwaukee. St. Louis is doing a fade, which is unusual for them. And Milwaukee suddenly, over the last 30 games, where they've been the third best team in, the, in, in, in 30 games, the third best team in 20 games, and the third best team in the last 10 games, they are on fire and they're, they're nipping at the Cubs' heels. They are. And, um, you know, they're, they're keeping the – which is bad for the Cubs, as we'll talk about in a second, because they're banged up and tired more than anything else, um, it's, it's prolonging the Cubs securing not only the Central Division, but the best record in the National League, which is something that I know that they're fighting for at this point. No, all those things are absolutely true. We'll talk more about um, the Cubs situation when we get to the Cubs a little later on in the show. But, uh, you know, it, it's interesting that ever since Mike Schilt was uh, made full-time manager when the interim tag <laughs> was taken off of his name, they really kind of went into the crapper. So I kind See? of feel bad for the uh, – See, we talked about how that was a bad thing for them to do. They yeah, should have waited until the end of the year. They should have waited, exactly. All right, so let's move on. Uh, David Wright and Joe Maurer 
uh, are retiring. And yes. uh, you posted some of their numbers here on the show sheet. Uh, and I was, you know, really surprised at a couple of numbers that really kind of stand out. Yeah. And the first is, uh, number one, how many home runs David Wright had, how right. many stolen bases he had, yeah. and uh, what his career batting average was. He was quite a player. There's uh, no question about it. And in fact, had he not been injured, uh, I think you could make a strong case that he would have been a Hall of Fame uh caliber player and that's not to say he won't make the hall of fame but if he does no, he'll, be, he he'll be 95 years old and the reason is is because when you look at the third base uh jaws leaders and jaws is uh, uh was developed by jay jaffe and that's why it's called jaws and it, it was introduced on baseball prospectus and basically it can it, it's a combination of your career numbers your seven-year peak numbers and then you're indexed against the hall of famers at that position so when you look at the Jaws numbers, Wright is 23rd all-time in third base. That, the, problem, wow. the problem that he wow. has is only seven or eight of those guys in, in front of him are in the Hall of Fame. So before you would ever put in a David Wright, you'd have to put in a Scott Rowland, an Edgar Martinez, a Greg Nettles, a, a Ken Boyer, a Buddy Bell. I could go on and on. Daryl Evans, Robin Ventura even, Yvonne Longoria, who's actually yeah. better than him. But and we're talk, talking about we're talking about also the least represented position in baseball, you know, in the yeah, Hall of Fame. Ultimately, yeah. that is true. But when, when you talk about um, the next player here, Joe Maurer, it's a little bit different. Joe Maurer actually is in the midst of a bunch of Hall of Famers because, quite frankly, at the catcher position, the the win above replacements or the Jaws number isn't as high as it is at other positions. So right. Maurer. And when you look at Maurer and Wright's numbers, they're very similar, except, you know, I think Maurer has more hits. And I think ultimately Maurer was a better hitter for average, but that right. not for power. Not um, for, but, yeah. but the reality is, is that from a Jaws perspective, there's only six uh, better catchers and they're all Hall of Famers. Bench, Gary Carter, Pudge, Carlton Fisk, Mike Piazza and Yogi Berra. And so I'm going to say Maurer, may struggle to get into the hall of fame right away, but ultimately he'll go in wow. um, because he has to is, is uh, statistically against other catchers. He's ahead of guys that are not in the hall of fame, such as Ted Simmons, Thurman Munson, Gene tennis, Bill freehand, Buster Posey, Jorge Posada. Yeah. Um, and uh, Molina's way down on the list. Once you look at Molina's number on here, you realize Molina at the, at the very least is a borderline Hall of Famer. And it's interesting. Well, it's interesting because if you just sort of ask people's opinions, everybody would regard Molina as a Hall of Famer. Yeah. You know, absolutely he's a Hall of Famer. He's, he's, 20, he's 26 on the Jaws list and Maurer is seventh. I'll just wow. leave it at that. Wow. So. All right. That is very interesting, Tom. Yep. All right, so Trevor Story did something good. Uh, he becomes the first shortstop in Major League history with 40 doubles, 30 home runs, and 25 steals. That's amazing. That is amazing. That is absolutely amazing. And, and, so, and by the way, including some prodigious home runs. Yeah, no, well, he does play in Colorado, so there is a right. little bit of uh, right. an elevation out. factor going on this year. 505 he, feet is 505 feet, though, Leo. It is, it is. It's a long home run, there's no question. And he's a fine player, and, and we'll all remember, we all remember when he broke in, you know, what did he hit, like 10 home runs in his first 10 games or something like that? He yeah, was absolutely yeah, out of control. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's really uh, helping them, and uh, I think it's great. I'd, I'd like to see... Colorado either make the playoffs or win the West outright. Me too. I don't too. know if it'll happen, but 
I am pulling for them. Now, this was good. Uh, nine, at 19 years old, Juan Soto is the third teenager to record at least 20 home runs in Major League history. And I, I, I want to take a guess at the other two. I haven't looked this up. Okay. But, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, is Lou Boudreaux one of them? No, that's a really solid guess. But no, Lou Boudreaux, who was a manager, I think, at that age or almost. Yeah, he was a manager very young in his career. He was yeah. a player manager. No, the, uh, the, the very first player to do it was um, the, the, the tragic story of Tony Canigliaro. Oh, wow. To, Tony Canigliaro, by the Tony way, has C. the record with 24 home runs before the age of 20, even All though right. Soto could actually eclipse he that. He could break it if he has um, a hot uh, last couple. Well, no, don't a, say the other. Don't say the other. It's okay. going to be... Al Kaline. No, no. But if you have a chance, I'm to oh. our listeners, go read about Tony Canigliera because it's yes. a yeah. mostly forgotten guy today. He was a tremendous talent, up and coming guy, and then his career and ultimately his life was cut short when he was hit in the face not once but twice with the hard ball. Yeah. Um, and even though the first one was the one that really, that um, really killed, yeah, it, it not, did, not, did him yeah. In. Yeah, it did him in. So Al Kaline's not the other one? No. Kaline was oh. a, you're picking guys that uh, – Kaline actually, uh, if I'm not mistaken, was uh, was rookie of the year and damn near MVP in his rookie year. He had a yeah, tremendous he... first year, just like Fred Lynn did. But yeah. Fred, Fred Lynn's not the guy either. The guy that did it is uh, Mr. Harper on Washington. Oh, wow. God, okay. All right, Brian so, Harper. So Soto wow. is in really good company. The issue is that you brought up a couple of weeks ago, and I revisited it today, which is the rookie of the year race between, um, between Acuna and, and, <laughs> and Soto, Soto and then Bader of St. Louis. Well, yeah. Bader has moved into second spot over Soto. Acuna's going to win it because his win above replacement is close to five in his rookie year, which is unbelievable. And and Bader is right behind him with a three point eight. Soto's like a two point three. It's not. And so Soto Soto comes up short in a lot of different categories. Where Bader does exceedingly well is he's slowly but surely becoming one of the best defensive players in the National League. No, he really is. I mean, he's made some amazing plays in center field. He he he's been so helpful to them. I'm so glad that they gave him a chance to play every day there. And he was a big part of their turnaround in August yes. where they went 22 and six. Right. But uh, all right. And then um, this was good. You put this in. I was unaware of this, that the Boston Red Sox and the Washington nationals are going to be the only two teams this season to pay the luxury tax this season. And for the first time since the advent of the luxury tax in 2003, and this was basically a penalty that teams pay for exceeding the, the payroll cap. Uh, right. The New York Yankees, for the first time, will not be paying the luxury tax, which is pretty full. It's, that, that's never happened. There, so. Right. There, and there's three teams knocking on the door uh, to join the National, the Red Sox, San Francisco, the Dodgers, and our beloved Cubs. They're all close, but I think it's kind of interesting how uh, Hoyer has kept the Cubs underneath that tax, which is, to me, is a very prudent thing to do. If I ran the team, there's no way I would ever pay that tax. Not ever. Because, quick, you, you know, in the case of the Red Sox, they're going to pay like $11 million this year. That's ridiculous. Wow. For nothing. That, I mean, it, it's well, just – Well, it's not it's, for nothing yeah. because they have the best team in baseball. But it's to me, it's just excessive, and you don't have that kind of money to throw around. And it sends a bad message. It does send a bad message, and uh... – but, you know, I, 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 I don't want to see the Red Sox win, that's for sure. <laughs> no, I know. Uh, been, we've been stated that we, many times. All right. But the team I do want to see win, uh, the Chicago Cubs, 
they've they looks like they've gone through a pretty rough stretch but and right now they're they're they were supposed to play 23 games in 23 days but that turned into because of rain delays and rainouts and reschedules uh 30 games in 30 games and this all began on August the 21st the cubs at that de- on that date were 71 and 52 now we feel like they've been terrible like they've had an awful stretch but since then they're 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 basically 25 games or 26 games into this and now they're 87 and 61 right you know so they've actually increased their margin through this very difficult stretch i'm not worried I'm not worried either. They are tired, but I think it's kind of ludicrous how people are like, oh, my God, the poor Cubs, they've had to play 30 games in 30 days. You know, well, my brother works for Ford Motor Company. I think he worked 77 days in a row at one point last year, 10 hours a day. Uh, And so I don't have a lot of sympathy for the Cubs living in the lap of luxury, having to, you know, basically have two or three rainouts in there. So they get so what they had to play extra canasta a couple days. Um, but well, there were are, some, yeah, there were are, some great things that happened. They are tired, um, and 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 it's it's reared its head a couple of different times. Um, earlier this week, they played a critical series against Milwaukee. I don't think it went well. Uh, Milwaukee's on fire right now, yeah. And they got to our bullpen. We can't get to their bullpen. They've got a pitcher that I think is almost unhittable. I think he may be Josh Hader. Yeah, Josh, yeah. yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a Josh Hader all right. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell yeah. you that right now. He that guy is uh, well first of all he's pitching multiple innings which the to me I don't understand why great pitchers don't do that today with uh, back in the old days it was it was not unusual to see Bruce Suter pitch two or three innings in a game. It happened with uh, Willie Hernandez on the Tigers a few times. Uh, Aurelio Lopez, Senior Smoke, he pitched three innings in games many times. Today, these guys are so coddled that they don't do that. Well, I'm telling you, if the, if you get into a short series with Milwaukee, I believe Hader could take over it and, propel, and propel the Brewers because the, where the where the Brewers are doing very well in, in the post seventh inning pitching, the Cubs are not doing so well, and and that was never so evident as it was with Carl Edwards Jr. Who, who cannot throw a strike, if his life depended on it, if I ran the Cubs, he would not be pitching. I would get rid of him. I know he, can, he, I know he weighs 120 pounds and he can throw 95 miles an hour, but if you can't get the ball over the plate as a relief pitcher, you can't be on my relief team. It's just that simple. Well, I, I think that's a little extreme. There, there's no question he's struggled, but, uh, but at the same time, his stuff plays. I mean, he's still throwing yeah, his stuff high plays, velocity. His stuff plays in the uh, Adre or Adirondack League. That's where, that's where wow. he would be. You've got to throw strikes. If you come into a major league game and you walk one and two hitters, you, you're, you're useless to me if I'm the manager of the team. No, no, relievers, you're, you're right. They cannot, walk, but they cannot walk hitters, but I think they're going to try to let him work it out. I, I don't know what else they can do. Yeah, because well, he can contribute. Right. You know, he can still do something. Now, I wanted to talk about Wednesday's loss to the Brewers and how painful it was. You know, and and how many balls did they square up for such unlucky outs? I mean, they ended up losing five to one, but it was two to one in the eighth inning before right. Milwaukee kind of broke it open. Yeah. I mean, Bryant hit a double that was this. It was two inches from being a home run. They were right. so unlucky, and uh, yeah, but you know, if you if you remember in that game, Granderson hit one of those balls in the first inning that was two inches away from being a home run as well. He did, he did. So he hit one off the little cord that's actually it, there. You know, it, so, those are the breaks of baseball. I just noticed that the Cubs, um, 
you're you're right. That was a competitive game until the Cubs bullpen took over. And I realize that they're tired. I get it. But these are critical games that we must win. There's just, uh, I mean, I just think the, the stock, let's put it this way. The problem with the Cubs is not going to get any easier. The only thing that we have to look forward to is, is our, uh, uh, we will have no tomorrow without Brandon Morrow. I will just put. I, I I will put it to you like that. It's just that simple. If we don't get help on the back end of the bullpen, we're we're cooked. Because and the reason is is because you think Milwaukee's tough. What do you think it's going to be when we play Atlanta in a short series, or we play we play Colorado in a short series in Colorado where the ball bounces off the bat and you get, you put those rubber arm relief pitchers out there. What do you think's going to happen? That forget about the American League, which we already are. If, let's put it this way: if we were in the American League, we wouldn't even be in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I'm very, very concerned about our bullpen. And when, when, when you have to stand up and go, you know, Wilson's the best guy in the pen right now. That's a scary proposition. And, you know, and, and, and I agree with you. I agree with you. But I mean, apart from Milwaukee, who else really has a good bullpen? I mean, and the Cubs have other strengths. I, I, I guess, I mean, what we all are after as fans is some sort of assurance that things are going to turn out the way we want them to turn out. And, yeah. and nothing is, nothing is guaranteed. I mean, I still take my chances with this team and I've said that before, but, uh, but you know, you look at the national league and every team is flawed. You yeah. know, the Cubs are strong in other areas. They can There's no doubt. Them. So the, know, the, seniors, gotta... the senior circuit is the weaker of the two. Uh, you know, the American league is far superior to the national league right now. The American league has been far superior to the national league for the last five years. If you want to, you know, look at it from a statistic standpoint, and the, that kind of bears out in the All Star game. But so, were you were you but, aware though that the National League is actually winning in interleague play this year? No, I know, I know, I know. There's little there's little outliers that kind of you know make that's the beauty of baseball. From a if you love statistics, which we all do, right. um, which make makes it crazy. I just think that you know when you, I'm very very concerned about a couple things. A that the Cubs are just tired. You know, I don't know whether you saw, like, for example, um, and I want to get ahead of ourselves in discussion about yesterday's game, but Bryant looked really, really tired at the plate yesterday, striking out four times. But the Cubs were forced midweek last week to um, fly to Washington for one game makeup. It was was such a short stay that Anthony Rizzo, this is a true story, flew to Washington in his jersey, and flew back in his jersey. Did yeah. not bring a change of clothes. Which that was awesome. pictures of him in the plane. It is awesome. And fortunately that the Cubs hung on to win that game. It was a very costly game for the Cubs, however. Why don't you tell us about it? Well, you know, it, it, it is a costly game because uh, – th- is that the one where Strope is injured? Mm-hmm. Is yeah, yeah. Yep. Strope, uh, they take a 3-2 lead. And then in the uh, bottom of the uh, – top of the ninth inning, the Cubs get the bases loaded – and Strope's place in the order comes up, and he had pitched the eighth. Madden wanted Strope available to pitch the ninth, so he leaves them in the ballgame to, to, to hit with the bases loaded and one out. He grounds into a double play, or, and uh, in trying to stretch it out, he uh, pulls a hamstring and is out for the rest of the regular season. And that was a real bitter pill to swallow, because not only is Strope the heart and soul of the team, but he's also uh, quite. We need him, you know, to pitch yeah. uh, valuable innings, you know. So. Yeah, that that was a big loss. This is a situation where I don't fault Madden. Uh, Madden yeah. has took a lot of criticism in the 
local press for over having him bet. out there. Yeah. And also, by the way, it was announced that um, that that I think um, Rosario or somebody was coming in. So it's the fact of the matter is, Strope wasn't going to come out in the next uh, uh, pitch in the next inning. So he uh, wanted him to hit. Then he wanted yeah, exactly. He wanted, he wanted him to hit because of the situation that they were in, and because of. You know, it was a close game that if it went to extra innings, you know, they had to fly out. I think he thought that that he could, you know, kind of stretch the roster out. One thing I will say over the course of this week, this brutal week for the Cubs of having to play every day, wah, wah, um, you know, Madden is trying to do his best as far as resting the players and keeping them fresh. And so I don't fault him for having uh, Strope running. What I fault is, is the fact that Strope, Obviously, your conditioning isn't where it needs to be because, quite frankly, if you were running like I thought pitchers did all the time every day, you wouldn't have hamstring problems. Hamstring problems is a byproduct of you trying to do something you can't do. Take, you know, I've, I've seen it happen many times. You see it in football all the time. You try to get that extra five miles an hour and boom. Because you're because you're yeah. not in condition for it, that's what causes problem. When I look at a guy like Strope, I'm like Strope, are you running every day like pitchers are supposed to? Because if not, you need to be. That, that's a that's a stupid injury for a pitcher, a hammy injury. I understand arm injuries, but I don't get hamstring injuries. No, you 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 do make a point, and he did try to stretch it out and in an effort to be safe, you know. But uh, but that's the way it goes, and we just got to live with it. I mean, Madden had him hitting because Strope, unlike other relief pitchers, can actually hit. You yeah, know, he, right, so. correct. That, that's why he did it. Before we forget, though, I, I just it dawned on me. I, wa- I wanted to talk about the Tuesday win uh, against Milwaukee in the ninth inning. Addison Russell made a spectacular oh, play. Yeah. One, you know, it made me start thinking that maybe we need to keep him around, but then his hitting the rest of the week made me think, no, we need to trade him immediately. Uh, <laughs> but he made, a, he made a spectacular game-saving play going deep into the hole at, at shortstop, throwing the guy out at first play, base. To, to Rob, Rob, you know, Braun, Ryan Braun. Right, right. Which the the cheater, they, they robbed the cheater of a hit. Yeah. Um, and in that game, by the way, there was a couple of spectacular plays. First of all, Kane on the center fielder from Milwaukee is, is a goal. He was a gold glover on Kansas City. He made a couple of spectacular plays. Al, uh, Al Amora. Made, Albert Elmore, yes. Made a couple of great defensive uh, plays this week. So we're getting to that point in the season where, you know, the cream is rising to the to the top and you're starting to see um, the better defenders, um, you know, show, show up why these guys are to be considered for the Golden Glove. Even Rizzo made a couple of you yeah. know, really, really good plays at first base. I'm impressed with Carantini. Carantini yeah. was an infielder converted catcher who's been playing some spot first base, and, and he ably fills in for Rizzo um, when he's not there. But I just wanted to bring up the Addison-Russell play because that was one of the better plays of the year, certainly for the infield. And, and that's it, saying something with Baez there. It really is. And, and, and just overall, they've just played at a high level on defense. You know, you ever watch David Bodie, and Russell does this too, but when Bodie feels balls, from the second, from the moment that the ball touches his glove to the moment – that he releases the ball in the throw, it's just almost instantaneous. Correct. He gets rid of the ball so quickly. Correct. I really admire that technique. I, I, I did want to talk about one other thing that occurred in a game earlier this week. Um, they bring in Kevin Hart, you know, the right. actor. Yeah. So not only does he throw out the first pitch, but then he sings the seventh inning stretch. So he comes into the broadcast booth, and he's there to talk about his movie. And we're in the middle of this incredibly important game 
between two teams fighting for the division. And he's going on and on about night school, which I'm sure is funny. <laughs> right. But, but, you know, somebody's hitting a double and he's talking about, oh, yeah, I threw that ball when I threw out the first pitch, 150 miles an hour. And he's just cracking jokes. And you're like, shut up. Yeah. He, he had no reverence for the moment. He's not a baseball fan. I know he's not a Cubs fan. I mean, I don't want to criticize him. I don't think it's necessarily his fault because he's there to promote his movie like he should be. But I, I, I blame Channel 7 and the Cubs for, you know, allowing this guy to kind of come in and take away the spotlight from the game itself. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to disagree with you on this. The Cubs, the Cubs obviously, ever since Harry Carey died, have been, have lost their way when it comes to the seventh inning stretch. I, I'm, for one, um, I like when they actually just play the video of him singing, yeah. which, they, which lately they've been doing half the time. But I've seen this happen before, and mo most remarkably was, I don't know, maybe – Ten years ago, they brought in Dennis France, uh, the old NYPD yeah, blue right, actor, right. who you would think that he's a you know he comes across as being a man's man. Knew absolutely nothing about the game of baseball, wow. absolutely nothing. I mean, literally, you know, you know, basic uh, things. And and he started talking about it. I'm like, wow, you've actually never watched baseball before, <laughs> you know. And wasn't he in Bleacher Bums with uh, yeah, right, with Joe right. Montana, the play, it, the famous exactly, play? exactly, yeah. inexplicably. So. I think you bring up a good point. If, if I just think that this was a novelty, and and there was such a void because of the loss of Harry Carey, um, that I, I think maybe the Cubs they need to kind of rethink this moving forward. To me, I, I'm with you. It's a distraction at this point. It is a distraction. No, nothing against Kevin Hart, who by the way is a very nice guy. And yeah, he's, he's actually, a nice guy. He's, he's actually kind guy. of funny guy too. Yeah. Um, but you're right. I saw that, and um, I wasn't as taken back as you were because, quite frankly, I was I was multitasking at the time. But I can I can understand why, um, you know, at this point in the season, we should be more focused on on the end result and what the and how critical these games are. So I mean, if you're if you're going to bring in a celebrity, make sure number one, they're at least a Cubs fan. Yeah. And number two, that if they at least know something about baseball. And so so you want to see someone? You, you want to see someone like Steven Seagal? Is that yeah, it? exactly. Steven Seagal. That would be great. <laughs> you know, I'll, hey, if I was in his weight class, I'd crush him. Yeah, but uh, everybody so, would. Yeah. Okay. All right. So um, let's see. Uh, you know what I wanted to also mention is a big part of uh, what they miss, especially in offense, is Jason Hayward. Yeah. You right. Know, he, he, and Schwarber he, too. Both. And Schwarber. Guys. Yeah. Both those guys seem to inspire the team and fire them up. You know, they, they, they're kind of like mascots almost, you know. Yeah, yeah no, I, I think that you're going <clears> to <throat> see both of those guys soon. Um, Morrow pitched extremely well, and he's supposed to be back at the end of the week, which is good. So we're going to get everybody back, but I'll bet money right now that we don't see Strope be as effective at all the rest of the year. And the uh, reason is, is that hammy, that doesn't go away in two weeks. I don't care what they're saying. It's just, it's a football type injury. Whenever you see it in, in the NFL, when a running back has a hamstring injury or a wide receiver, they have it the whole season. Yeah. So, uh, and, and yesterday I wanted to also talk about yesterday's game. They win one, nothing over the Reds. It's their third win in a row. Right. And this is after losing, uh, dropping a series to, uh, to Milwaukee. Uh, John Lester goes out there and pitches his nuts off. Goes he, does, he does, but we're playing the Reds, Leo. I mean, it's it, it, let's not kid. And again, I know we've got hit. I know we've got some Reds Reds listener. Yeah, they they have a couple guys that can hit. They're a terrible team, though. That there's a reason why they're in last place. Uh, and the fact of the matter is, it's great that the Cubs have to play them. When you look at the last, you know, 
13 or 14 games at the by the way the Cubs magic number is stuck at 12 or 11 it not was still, stuck but yeah but, 12, the Brewers did lose it was 13 game. last Sunday yeah right right <laughs> we're right. not we're not game, Brewers are hanging with us and actually they were like one game better over that span of games um but uh the, the Cubs are just tired it would be great. It would have been great because you know we're the best team in the National League by record. That we would be closer to wrapping this up so that Madden can rest these guys. They need some they rest need, yeah. before the playoffs start. Yeah, no, that's you my, are absolutely. That's right. my concern, dude. And uh, last thing we want to mention is you, uh, Darvish, should be back at 100 percent in spring training. He underwent uh, kind of an arthroscopic tech, uh, surgery for his and what is this debridement? surgery or of the elbow or something yeah i'm not sure the exact but what i've read about it is is that there were there will be no future issues relating to this particular injury which is good because we need a healthy darvish for many reasons but one to get our money out of the guy as far as i'm concerned so all right well uh moving on to this week in baseball history uh i'll begin with september 12th 1976 at the age of 53 Mini Minoso is the, he becomes the oldest player to get a hit in a regular season game. Wow. As he singles in three at bats as the DH for the White Sox against Southpaw Sid Manji. Wow. So that Manji was, pretty was cool. a, good, a really good pitcher. That, that, uh, when, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, didn't he also bat after that in the major? League? He wanted to. I don't know if it, I, he tried to come back in the 80s. I think he actually did come back in the 80s. I think he had, let him come you, back. you yeah, got to check did. it out. I'm pretty sure he had bats in all those decades going up into the 90s, if I'm he not mistaken. He did it in the 80s, and he wanted to do it in the 90s, but he couldn't. I mean, I think they finally just said, you know, Minnie, you're, you're a nice guy, and we love you. But, uh, you know, another thing about Minnie is he fathered a child after he was in his 80s. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, He's, so so Ricky Henderson, there's hope for you yet. There sure uh, is. While there you're sure wallowing is. in the minor leagues right now. So so this was interesting. You'll love this. September 12, 1974, Denny McClain yeah. makes his last appearance in a big league uniform. Right. He finishes his career at 131 and 92. He's tagged with the loss when he gives up three runs in the ninth inning without a re- without retiring a batter in a 7-5 loss to Cincinnati while pitching for the Atlanta Braves. The last pitcher he faces is Pete Rose. The last will, hitter, you mean? The last, that means, yes, the last hitter he faces is Pete Rose, and what which is, I thought what, was ironic. Well, I know. You've got two gamblers facing off against each other. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and, and actually, you know, McLean is a felon. I mean, he's been in prison yeah. a couple of times. Um, and that, that's, a, that's a tragic story. But I will tell you in 1968, when I was nine years old, when he won 31 games, leading up and in, going into the World Series, he just was uh, formidable on the mound, and, yeah. and he did he did run out of gas by the time the World Series came around. And thank God for uh, Mickey Lolich, who who won three games against Bob uh, Gibson. But McLean, I'm telling you, day after start after start, you know he was closing was in on to win 30 games. Which at that point, I believe the last guy to do it before him, I think, might have been Dizzy Dean yeah. uh, in the early 30s. But regardless, it was it was many years decades before that it's never happened since even though steve carlton got close once um but mclean was quite the athlete not and and you know he, he was he was an unbelievable character but he was a great bowler he's bowled a few yeah. 300 games i mean yeah. which which by the way whenever you see a pitcher that's as pinpoint control like mclean had typically they always are good bowlers 
He also was an organ player, was he not? Mm-hmm. I mean, like he played like jazz organ. Correct, correct. So that, that's, part, that's part of his problem because he would burn the candle at both ends. He'd be out at the bars all night long, you know, whining and dining and singing songs all night long. And then, you know, that, that expedited the, 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 the end of his career because he just was not healthy. He wasn't living right. He wasn't eating right. Now, if you, I saw him at the – they had a 68 reunion – um, the other last week in Detroit, the guy weighs 350 pounds. I mean, oh, God. It, 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 it's, it, and it's not a good looking three. It's not like a defensive tackle three, 350. It's, it's a blah, blah, blah. He looks like, uh, well, he looks like a, a, you know, if he wore a Speedo, it would be like a, a, a oh. pair with a rubber band stuck around. It. <laughs> I remember like maybe 20 years ago, they were doing another reunion for that team. And uh, you made the joke that they would just they would bring him out in his prison orange uniform. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, yeah. He'd be shackled. The marshals would be there with him. And he'd come out, wave, and then they'd just take him back to jail. The, 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 the sad part of it is, is that he, I, he owned, I think, a manufacturing plant in the suburbs of uh, Detroit. And he, he robbed, literally robbed his employees of their pension wow. and their and their, you know, it just, he, he did his time in prison and he's had a couple stints as a, a sports talk radio guy. He's never short of a quote, but his story is a, is an unbelievably, uh, it's a, tragic tra- one. It's, a it's, it's a cautionary tale. It is. It is. <laughs> All right. September 15th, 2003, thousands of Hanshin Tigers fans jump off the Ebi, Ebi Subashi bridge in the, Dotonbori River in a celebration when their hometown heroes clinch the Central League title for the first time in 18 years. And I was watching video of this on YouTube, and it's basically a river, you know, that has these kind of footbridges over it, and all the fans kind of crowd around, and one at a time, they jump into the river while taking pictures of each other. So it was kind of fun. You mean, you mean selfies? Yeah, so, selfies. or what? No, no, <laughs> they're taking pictures of their friends as they jump off, and, you know, it, it was kind of fun. Yeah. You know, kind of a nice thing to do. An unusual celebration. All right. Yes. September 16th, 1993, and the 16th in 1996, Dave Winfield collects his 3,000th hit for the Twins. Three years later, Paul Molitor accomplishes the same feat on the same day for the same team. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, and both both Hall, rightly so, Hall of Famers. Oh, great uh, players, tremendous and, players. And ama- amazingly, if I'm not mistaken, I have to look this up, but I, I'm pretty sure that Winfield, there was some issue whether he was going to be a, a go in on the first ballot. Whereas I'm pretty sure Molitor did go in. No, well, Winfield's uh, a, first, a first ballot Hall of Fame. For, right? for sure, for yeah. sure, no doubt about it. And um, and so was Molitor. So um, you know, yeah, yeah. No, he really was. Molitor was a great, great player. Trust me, I lived in Detroit, and he was a ti- he was a Tiger killer. Um, yeah, many many years ago. Um, so interesting, interesting on the three thousand hit thing. All right, last one. Uh, September six, two thousand and five. The Tigers pay tribute to ninety-one year old Ernie Harwell, right. the longtime broadcaster who recently revealed that he had inoperable cancer. Yep. And uh, that must have been a very very difficult day for you. This is a man who was a big part of, I think, your youth, yeah. childhood, and your adulthood. He was there for all that stuff. Yeah, you know, baseball's had, you know, a lot of great uh, play-by-play men and announcers and color men over the years. But I'll tell you what, for my money, Harwell was as good as, as anybody with the exception of maybe Scully and Red Barber. Uh, yeah. and, and that's how – He's as up there a, with those As guys. a Detroiter yeah. – 
he was the fabric. He, he, he called our lives, quite frankly, as we, you know, lived our lives in Detroit. The, the, in the background, you would hear Motown uh, that, and also Gunfire. Um, and, and you would hear Ernie Harwell uh, calling Tiger games. Um, and I think that uh, he's sorely missed. And, and, and he was such a student of the game that, you know, we talked about uh, this idiot uh, Hawk Harrelson the other day. Right. You, you, never, you never didn't know when he was rooting for the team. You could listen to an Ernie Harwell game and you would never know who, which, who he was employed by, ever. Yeah, because that's right. he never, ever showed. He, the only two times I ever heard him raise his voice was in 68 when they won the World Series and 84 when they won the World Series. Any other time, even the playoffs leading up to it, he never raised his voice because he was the consummate professional. And, uh, you know, I, he, had, he used to have a saying, uh, which is so true for all of, uh, of his fans um, that waited outside of, T- of Tiger Stadium to see him as he lied in state when he when he did pass away. He used to have a saying when a, when a hitter was at the plate and he would look at a call third strike. He would say, "He stood there like the house by the side of the road." Wow! And that's, and that's kind of the way we feel as fans about Ernie Harwell. We loved Ernie, and he just. You know, I think about him often and I think about what he would think about baseball today. Um, you know, the only the only issue on his career was when that idiot Bo Schembechler, um fired him in the early 90s when he was the president of the Tigers. He thought that Ernie was getting along in the tooth. Yeah, and, right. Uh, you know, and, yes, you know, Bo, right. was an, it, Bo was an absolute idiot. He was a great football guy, but a terrible baseball guy. And uh, fortunately, they brought Ernie back. Um, and he, Ernie would have called er, if he hadn't have gotten sick, he would have, he would have kept broadcasting. And if you remember late in, uh, his life, you know, MLB network and Fox would, would bring in Ernie and have him do a couple of innings in playoff games. No, I know. Just a really tremendous broadcaster. And, uh, did he, I remember my favorite Ernie Harwell stories when they tore down the old tiger stadium. They asked Ernie if he wanted some sort of relic, something to take with him to remember it. And he said, what I want is the urinal in the opposing <laughs> clubhouse. I know, because, I know. Because you want it, because think about all the great players who had taken a leak there, you know, <laughs> I mean, which I thought was, which was fantastic. Hey, the, urin- was- the urinals at Old Tiger Stadium for the fans were horrible. They were just like they were in Comiskey, kind of like how they are in Wrigley, quite, quite yeah, frankly. You yeah, know, which is trough. still terrible. There's nothing like public trough uh, urination. <laughs> absolutely right on that time on that note yeah on that note we're going to call it a day if you have any questions or comments please email us at you are in the wheelhouse at gmail.com tom always a pleasure take care of yourself you too man all right